It's the Sleepers Podcast, post-Michigan, Michigan State edition. One of the either best or worst days of the year, depending on who you are listening to this. Uh, we we had a Michigan episode planned. Carter and I were in Ann Arbor for Michigan-Illinois over the weekend, and the narrative was much different for what this episode was going to be about. We said we had to get a Michigan guy on. We went and got my good friend Chris Castellani, Barstool Sports' own. Uh, and a, a very intelligent, entertaining Michigan fan to come on the episode. But then Michigan dominates Michigan State from start to finish. You could maybe even say dog walked, Cart. I know you like to use the, the term dog walked every now and then. Uh, that man, this man right here, anybody watching on YouTube, this is the man who had Michigan State on a leash for 40 yep. minutes. So, uh, Chris, first of all, thank you for doing this, my friend. I have a feeling this is going to be a very fun episode. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's so it's the world of college basketball, man. Because when you asked to have me on, that was post Illinois. I was like, all right, let's see. I, like, and I, I'm happy to do it, obviously. But I'm like, all right, this will be depressing. And then this team is the this is the weirdest Michigan team I've ever covered in any sport because I they either look like you know North Carolina from 2009 or they look like a team that can't make the NIT. Now last night it was more <laughs> of the former, which was a lot of fun. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to talking about it, obviously. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the best part because I'm I'm just going to go off of that as well. After the Illinois game, let's just say I was saying a couple words to Gregory. Um, There's a couple pictures taken outside of Chrysler where where I said that, you know, maybe the NIT was in this team's future. But yeah. I mean, I, at, obviously, after last night, I will take the role of the depressed podcaster <laughs> or the depressed person on this podcast episode because that was, that was a dog walking, Greg. We, we, we got dominated from start to finish in probably every aspect of the game. It was even more than Hunter. Honestly, we, we, we got dominated. I thought in every aspect of the game. So, you know, credit to Michigan, but it definitely hurts as a Michigan state fan, of course. So Chris was at the game. Uh, I want to start with just the, I mean, the dog walker himself, Hunter Dickinson, 33 points, nine rebounds, four blocks, arguably more shit talks than points last night. Chris, what was that like in person? I mean, you were in the student section, I believe. So were you able yeah. to hear what he was saying at all? I, you know what's weird, man? And maybe I'm just not perceptive. I didn't see any of it until he was called on it. Now, when I went back and watched uh, the replay, it was it was pretty apparent. But the thing is, even when you're watching it on TV, you can never tell exactly who they're talking to. You never know if they're talking to themselves. You know, it's the same thing. It happens all the time in baseball when, you know, a guy gives a look back at the pitcher and they think that they're kind of, you know, trying to talk him up. It's, it's a weird thing. Look, I, I love Hunter. I think Hunter has made Michigan basketball program exponentially more fun, especially this year. I mean, where would this team be without Hunter Dickinson? Um, But he's got a mean streak and I love him for that. I don't think personally, I don't think he's that different than like what Draymond was. You know, like I, I think that there's a lot of people are are pointing fingers and saying he was cocky. He's arrogant. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's a, he's a cocky guy. But that when you go for 33 and nine, it's the same way I felt like when Cassius a couple of years ago had the entire Michigan defense on ice skates. Like when you do that now, Cassius wouldn't have because, you know, he's like the historically nice guy. But if you do that against your rival, Go ahead and talk that, man. It's it's the same thing I felt going, but you know, bringing it back, bringing it to football. Like when Ohio State had that incredible run of success where they won ten in a row. Like, go ahead and talk smack that you have earned the right to do that. And last night, that was, I mean, that was. I was trying to think back. The only individual performance that I can think of in Michigan 
history that like rivaled that in terms of just pure dominance was, you know, that Trey Burke stretch against Kansas is probably will always be number one in the sweet 16 and Stauskas is second half in 2014. But besides that, um, that was, that was really something. And I mean, you know, it, he's not gonna have a ton of time to enjoy it because they got to play tomorrow. But um, that was, that was amazing. I mean, they, it was, the one thing I'll say watching it in person is that, you know, a lot of people, myself included, were like, maybe they should double team them. But Marvel was being as aggressive as possible. I mean, they did everything except, you know, pull out, you know, pull out switches and try to stab the guy. I mean, they, they were really like they were so aggressive on him all night. Just couldn't stop it. I mean, that was uh, that was a rare, rare performance and uh, amazing. Truly amazing. Yeah, Stauskas comes to mind for me as the only other Michigan in the rivalry one where it's yeah. they have no answers for this guy. Um, and look, I, I don't know if I would have sent a double if I'm Michigan state, I think at a certain point you do maybe once they're down so much, like you have Mm -hmm. nothing to to try, but part of the game plan game one was let Hunter eat one-on-one. And I think that worked. The difference is Michigan state was making shot or Michigan was making shots from three last night. So if that's happening and Hunter's going off, you're in big trouble, but cart, uh, we kind of talked about this this morning on the unscripted show, but like what, What's Julius Marble supposed to do? Like if you and I play one-on-one, I'm, I'm six, two, you're six, eight. Like I, you're going to score on me 10 times out of 10, no matter how hard I play. Right. Like what, what's he supposed to do in that spot last night? Yeah. That, that, that was one of the things that I thought was just kind of like, just not fair. Um, I go back to earlier in the year when people were getting on Joey Hauser for not being able to defend centers or big men in the league. Like, you can't get mad at a guy for not doing what he can't do. Like, Julius Marble, all all in all, gave everything he had last night to try to guard. It just wasn't good enough to guard Hunter Dickinson. Now, the part where it just kind of didn't sit well with me is that as a coach or even as another player on the team, you're watching your guy go through hell out there and get destroyed. Yeah, You got to maybe help. You got to maybe help him out. Do something like dig send a double, see if that works. If he's killing the double team, then yeah, that it, it's his day. Obviously it was his day no matter what, but you know, it was a stretch in that game that was absolutely just pure dominance. Like he was mm-hmm. just touching it every time down the floor, spinning baseline, coming back the other way, dunking it and one, letting the crowd know. And he should have been letting the crowd know, especially because I thought that after the first game, Greg, well, we went to the Breslin Center. One of the comments in the post-game presser was that we did an okay job on Hunter Dickinson, which all in all, I thought we did. He had 25 points, mm-hmm. but he missed a lot of, you know, shots that he usually makes at the rim. So there was that narrative that we kind of quote unquote locked up Hunter Dickinson, which I don't think we did, but that definitely was in the back of Hunter's mind. I thought, so, you know, if, if a guy's getting 30 points, you're playing your rival, you know me, Greg, like let, let the other team know you're giving yeah. them buckets. You know, I'm all for that. It's That's basketball. your favorite thing. That's your, and look, we, we endorse that as sleepers media. We yeah. always endorse, let someone know you gave them a bucket when you get a bucket. Uh, but if you heard Hunter's comments in the post game, like I, I think his, I don't want to say relationship, but him and Izzo have had some things mm-hmm. in their career or in Hunter Dickinson's career. Like, uh, you know, Tom Izzo, Mr. He'll do the air handshakes. Uh, like when Tom Izzo beats you in dominating fashion, Tom Izzo will pull the Greg guard and put his arm around you and make sure you give yeah. him 20 seconds of your time in the handshake line. And Hunter basically referenced that after the game. Like, oh, Tom had a lot of words for me, a lot of compliments for me after game one. Tom brushed right by him last night. As mm. much as he said he'd do the handshake, Tom wanted no part of 
listening and talking to Hunter Dickinson post game last night. So I think there was a little motivation there. Definitely a little, uh, it, yeah, 100%. for him to look Tom's way after every bucket last night. But let me ask you guys this. And uh, I guess, Carl, let's go to you first. Cause you're the rival here, but where does Dickinson rank on your all time, like Michigan villains list? Like, obviously they've had Wagner, they've had Brad Dacus. I don't know if you consider Burke a villain, maybe just because of that Keith Appling steal he qualifies, mm-hmm. but where does where does Hunter Dickinson rank as a as a villain? Mm, to, to be honest, some of my personal feelings coming to like the villain type role, like I just didn't like Iggy. Like I didn't I didn't like Iggy's face. <laughs> it's like just straight up, like I didn't. That yeah. just is what it is. Like and for me, it, you know, Hunter's an All American. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a guy who I think is a really good basketball player. It, it obviously it comes at the expense of my team last night, but you know, I think he's a really good basketball player. I wouldn't necessarily think Trey Burke was a villain. I just thought Trey Burke was a killer just through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like villain wise, it's like Iggy for me. And then probably like Hunter third, maybe Stouts is second, but I don't even know if I really consider Hunter a villain. He's just like a, I don't know. It's just a shit talker. You you have him as a fake tough guy, a little bit front runner, right? Like we've kind of. I mean, we were at the Illinois I, I game. Think, I, I, I think game. it's I think it's man, I think it's manufactured a little bit because I yeah. still reference back to like Hunter in high school, and it, he like basically he came to Michigan. You know, he's got the gear. He gets his nice little fade haircut, grows the beard, gets his ears pierced, and then he's now he's feeling himself a little bit. Which all credit to him, he should. But, you know, it, it just seems a little bit manufactured at times. And all I say is that you got to make sure you keep that same energy with everybody throughout the Big Ten. Because going back to that Illinois game, I thought he didn't keep that same energy with Kofi in the second half. So just got to make sure yeah. it's uh, consistent. Hey, to me, when it comes to like people like all time villains, the ones that bother me the most on the opposite side are the ones who didn't like do anything against us like that. That's the one like Cassius Winston. I love and will respect forever. Cause yeah, you know what? 2018 was a disappointment comes back the next year, plays out of his mind, you know, wins, I think four in a row at one point against Michigan, you know, big 10 player of the year, but the, the guys who, and the same with guys like Draymond or, you know, so many Michigan state people have come along, but the ones that I like look at and go, eh, all right. Like I've never said this publicly and I'll probably get chewed out for this. Um, one Michigan state basketball player that I was never, like, I acknowledge wonderful player has had a tremendous NBA career who never, like, I was never afraid of and who never bothered me miles bridges. Cause when I think of miles bridges, I think of the quote unquote, most talented Izzo team that lost to a team that a lot of people were just kind of meh about that ended up going to national championship. So I like when the way I rank villains are the people who talk the game. And then don't back it up. Like if you're somebody like Draymond, who at one point, I don't know if this ended up happening, but I remember there was that 2012 game where like halfway through the second half, he was out rebounding Michigan. Like I respect those guys. I appreciate those guys. Like the same way that I think people should respect what Dickinson did last night. But yeah, when I'm talking about ranking villains, it's more so based on like the guys who couldn't get it done as opposed to the guys who could. Right. There's no, there's nothing worse than a villain that doesn't back it up. Cause then yeah. it's like, th- th- those are the guys to me that in basketball that are just like annoying. Like you're just out there to be a villain. You're not actually out there to like, you know what I'm saying? Like hoop and win basketball games. You just kind of want to get under people's skin. It's just like, eh, you're, you're compensating for the fact that maybe you're not as talented sometimes. I mean, obviously Miles Bridges was talented, but you know, of course. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get, he's, tr- he's yeah. turned out to be a wonderful player. I just, yeah, I, yeah that, that's, that's just the one example like, I the, just go the, to. The, the, res- the result, the results got to back up and that's you mm-hmm. know that's warranted i mean god 
you know, we lose to Michigan last night. Now we're uncovering, <laughs> uncovering Miles Bridges wounds for me. This is really <laughs> not doing, this is really not doing well with me. No, like it, like it or not, we say this all the time, Card. These rivalry games are legacy games. Mm-hmm. They are every yeah. single time. It's an opportunity for someone in this rivalry to write their chapter of the story. And last night was 100% Hunter Dickinson's, whether or not he returns to Michigan or wherever he's playing basketball in the future. Like, he has last night as his night in this Michigan, Michigan state rivalry uh, to, to the story of other guys, like on the Michigan side, Iggy Brezdakis is one of my favorite players ever. I can't think of him without souring on the fact that he went zero and three against and three yep. that I thought he was less talented than Michigan's team that year. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Uh, Hunter, one of a kind dude. I think there's different classifications of uh, quote unquote villains as well. Like, there are some villains who get motivated by like spotlight or there are some villains who get motivated by um, competition. Like Hunter to me is motivated fully by trolling others. Like he (laughs) he wants to be on Twitter. He wants, I I, like legitimately, he wanted to troll Mark Turgeon last year and he had one of the best games of his career last night. It seems like he wanted to troll Tom Izzo. So uh, we'll, we'll see where the season plays out. But when Hunter's as engaged as he was last night, I mean, this Michigan team can truly beat anybody in my opinion. Uh, I do want to quickly just ask you guys, where do you think Hunter will play next year? And I know there's some rumors, there's some buzz around maybe he's open to coming back to Michigan. That's the first I had heard of that. I mean, Hunter was running out of his way to tell everyone in the preseason that this was his final year. Um, And I think even Michigan State fans, Cart, would say, where's he going to play? He ain't getting drafted. Maybe he'll play in Shanghai. I'd be careful with that if I'm Michigan State fan. You don't want to tell Hunter that he might be playing in Shanghai or he might be back in Ann Arbor, giving your team 35 next year. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll start with this. I look at worst. He's going to play in the G league to me. I, Hunter Dickinson is, has an NBA body he has. And that's where I do. I appreciate the heck out of this. And I think he's done a good job. His game has grown quite a bit in between freshman and, and sophomore year. And I think that's one issue that exists in college basketball with that one and done rule is you have these guys, I think Michigan has a prime example of it right now with Musa Diabate, who have amazing upside. But you know, you got you got to add to your game. He's added the 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 mid range shot. He's added the three. Not to say that he's lights out from three point range, but we know he can shoot it. Um, I would be at this point pending something drastic, and in the age of NIL, drastic is very much a possibility. I I, I would be stunned if he's not back in or if he's. Uh, not in the NBA next year or, or in the draft next year. I just, he went for 33 and nine last night, unless he wants to have this just insane, like all time dominant junior season. Um, I don't really see any reason uh, for him to return to college. Now with that said, I I take it. I'd be really happy about it. It would be amazing and incredible, but um, I, I think based on the trajectory, based on the way he's improved this season, especially in the latter part of the season, because early on there were some struggles. I, I, I think spacing was a big reason for that. But going forward, I um, again pending something crazy, I, I think he'll 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 declare uh, for the draft and and he'll make the best decision for himself, and he should. All right, what do you got? Well, I think one hundred percent that Hunter should go. I just, <laughs> 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 no, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, especially just a comment, Greg, on like the whole like. Hunter's going to be playing in like Shanghai or like Hunter's going to be playing overseas. Like Hunter could be in MB. Like he's at, like Chris said, he's at worst, I think a G league player. Yeah. Right. 
and you can make money in the G League and guys get two-way deals with the NBA right now and guys get 10 days. Guys have opportunities all the time to kind of come up and play in the NBA. I think that with the progression that Hunter has showed, there is a chance. I'm not like, I'm not saying it's guaranteed or even a good chance, but there is a small chance that Hunter Dickinson could be like a, you know, in the NBA and on an NBA roster. He's still seven feet. He still can score over the post, even though he can't score with his right hand. And now he's shown the ability to step out a little bit. And then you at least got to somewhat respect the fact that he could maybe knock down a three and then give his three point celebration, which could break a team at sometimes. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, unless I, I just don't see the, you know, the, the kind of the allure of coming back to Michigan, to be honest, because I think he's had like his dominant performances. Yeah. They've made a pretty solid tournament run, you know, at the time that he's been there. I just feel like him staying would, it, it would, it would shock me to be honest. I'm a, if I was a betting man and I am a betting man, I'm betting that he is just going to, you know, kind of move on to the next phase of his career. So there's, there's two things that uh, would make it shocking for me or two reasons why I, I lean very heavily that he won't return. One, Hunter has been pretty public about his frustrations, both with Michigan, the university, the administration on what they allow from an NIL perspective previously. And then two, with the fan base, like Hunter has reached some things that have been like, where are Michigan fans right now? They're not here. Um, I even last night, Chris, you can tell us more. You're at the game. Yeah. That, that arena looked empty in a lot of spots. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's tough for sure. I I'll I'll speak on that a little bit because I've what the players have said, I think they've been very honest and I think you'll agree. Like I think 90% of Michigan fans around our age, Greg will agree with this. It's not a student section problem because people always point to, Oh, it's all, you know, the student section sucks. Uh, the biggest problem with the student section is that it's small. Like that's the one issue with it is that like they should expand it. And I think it would be more of a home court atmosphere. It's, it's a very bizarre thing. And I, because I I've grown up in this in Lansing and East Lansing and like, you know, I know people who are 50, 60 years old, which in honestly takes up a majority of the people that fill either Breslin or Chrysler. It's people with their wives, people with their kids or, you know, their, their families who want to go to these games. Um, but the excitement from that section of the Michigan fan base just isn't there. And I'm sure as a player, um, that has to be frustrating as hell. And it, it, it bothers the hell out of me, like for sure. I mean, I've, I've, I've gone off about it in the past, a little, a uh, little story time here, Greg, and you might not remember this, but for people who don't know, by the way, Greg and I went to high school together. Greg, Greg Waddell would drive me to, to tennis practice every so often. We, we had an argument in study hall, my freshman year, your senior year, where I asked you, would you rather have Michigan basketball or Michigan football win a national championship? And you said basketball. Yep. And at the time I thought you were nuts. Cause this was 2011 <laughs> in, in high, in hindsight, I'm with you. So like when they, when they lose to Illinois and nobody cares, that bothers me because yeah. I, Anthony Broom and I had an interview with Stu Douglas where he was you know very honest. And we asked him like, did you ever feel slighted uh, by the fact that, you know, you never, you guys, when you were there, never got the attention the football program did. And he gave a very honest answer where he said, my first two years, we did nothing to deserve that fanfare. You know, there was a reason. And that was 11 years ago. It bothers me that this program a lot of people still view view it as if it's 2009. Like they were in the elite eight last year. They won the big 10. They've been to two final fours. That 
that's the stuff that bothers me. I thought last night was great. The, the student section was great. But as a player, that has to be frustrating to be like, I'm busting my ass here, and we're working hard, and we've had success, and we've won the Big Ten, and we've won the Big Ten tournament, we've been to Final Fours, and yet um, it unless we have a great team, the fanfare just doesn't seem to be there. And so I get like, I get Hunter's frustration. I think in, in general, the players have been very honest, but also not like you know, they, they've been fair with their assessment of uh, the way that the program is viewed uh, by the alumni. And it's, it's frustrating to, to me as somebody who adores Michigan basketball. Yeah. So those are, those are both off court reasons, right? Which like, who knows how much the off court stuff matters to Hunter Dick. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, but I like, it's very real. Like that, that is a thing. Like, does he, is he loving everything about his experience in Michigan right now? He's been kind of public and saying, no, um, I'm sure he has love for the university, the students, all of that. I, he's the man on campus last night, 100%. Yeah. So we'll see. But I think it, even from an encore perspective, there's some, some questions here. Like to me, it, it would make zero sense for Hunter to come back to school. Mm. If Musa Diabate is also back. Um, I, yeah. and I, I don't think Michigan needs both of them back. They'd certainly love to take one or both of them back, but like if the two of them are both on the roster, that's not helpful to either of their pro prospects. In my opinion, uh, I yeah. think maybe, maybe there's an argument that like there's a path for Hunter Dickinson to get himself drafted before his career ends at Michigan. That is similar to the Luca Garza path. Uh, now Luca had to be the national player of the year and right. <laughs> 90, 50, 40% from the floor. And I don't know that Hunter's ever going to do that, but to the, your point about roster construction, like maybe down the line, there's a better roster filled with shooters that makes Hunter Dickinson look more NBA appealing. Um, I wouldn't come back if I'm Hunter Dickinson for like the allure of that potentially magically happening, unless there's a very clear plan. But if he gets a big NIL offer and he doesn't hate his time at Michigan, who knows? Maybe it is uh, worth hearing. I thought it was at the very least, it was important that there's rumors because of how adamant he was preseason. I mean, Carl, you were at Big Ten Media Day with me. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, he was telling everyone who didn't even want to listen to him, this is my final year. And oh, by the way, I hate Illinois fans. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That no, literally was I, his press conference. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where he goes. Um, so. Michigan's chances going forward this season. What do we make of this team? Car, you and I kind of were texting last night and just saying, like, we think, honestly, like, I'll take a split from this series this year because I don't think either team's that good. Right. And I think ultimately they're both going to make the tournament and we'll see what happens. Like, all bets are off when you get to the NCAA tournament. But, like, can you guys really see Michigan squeezing out two wins potentially? They would need some draw luck, but – I guess the ceiling's there, the talent's there, right, Chris? To me, it the only way that they go beyond the second round, and this has happened before, where one player just is so dominant that the other team can't stop them. I mean, we saw it. We've seen it with Michigan. We've seen it with Michigan State. We've seen it, you know, in in many other instances. We saw it last year with UCLA, where like. Johnny Juzang was the best player on the floor basically for all five of the tournament games um, that they played. You know, UCLA had zero bench points that game against Michigan, and he had 27. You know, I mean, it was or 29 or something like that. The only way that they get beyond the second round is if Dickinson 
just has one of those insane, like if he plays like he did last night, where he's consistently going up against, you know, post defenders and just dominating them. Because, and the reason I have little confidence that they can go, that, you know, the reason why I feel like that's the only path is because this team has just been too darn inconsistent shooting the basketball. Now, I'd like, of course, in March, yes, if Caleb Houston, you know, pulls a Nick Stauskas against Florida in 2013 and is going six for six from beyond the arc, then sure. But you could say that about any team. Like, yeah, if, if, if Tyson Walker scores 24 points and a half like he did against Illinois, Michigan State's probably going to make the final four. I think really the most likely path to the second weekend is Dickinson becomes that volume guy who's taking 20, 25 shots a game, who's making threes, who's dominating in the low post. And the one thing Michigan did last night um, that was really admirable is that they, they got to the boards. I mean, they, they, they got to want a lot of 50, 50 balls, which is something that they have not done all year, especially against a Michigan state team that prides itself, you know, historically on being a great rebounding team. So to me, that's the only path. I think at this point, getting in, winning a game, um, relative to expectations, it's a disappointment, but considering where this team was, you know, they were seven and seven, um, a, a while back, it's, it's, it's a relative success. Carl, what's your stance on them? Do they have a chance in March? I mean, yeah, because I think that we, we talked about it, Greg, just comparing like Michigan to Michigan state straight up. Let's, let's, let's look at that before we even get into the tournament. If we're picking a team of five, you're probably going to have five Michigan guys on that team just from a pure talent perspective. Yeah. So you have a, you have a dominant force like Hunter Dickinson and you have guys that are capable in Caleb Houston. And has shown that, you know, obviously, you know, they're not going to be able to play NCAA tournament games at Chrysler. So he's going to have to show that he can do it on the road in the NCAA tournament, but he has the ability to knock down shots. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking about as far as other centers that Hunter Dickinson can go up against that aren't in the big 10, to be honest, because the, the big immovable force like centers are in the big 10 this year with Zach Eady, Kofi. There's not really a guy like that necessarily outside of the big 10. Like I think the most dominant center outside of the big 10 is probably Oscar Shibway and Oscar Shibway is a monster, but he's also like six, nine probably. And he's not like a bigger burly guy. So I think that this Michigan team has the talent. They do. Like, they had the ability to go, quote, unquote, on a run or get past that first weekend. But unfortunately, with what we've seen throughout the year, I have to err on the side that they'll be more inconsistent than consistent. And if you're inconsistent in the NCAA tournament, it's win or go home. So, you know, it's I think they can win a game, certainly. But I'd be shocked if they made it past the first weekend. And I feel the same way about this Michigan State team as well. There's one other, and it's the least likely path that Michigan has like a 2014 Kentucky arc where that team struggled throughout the, like the entirety of the regular season with Julius Randall and you know all those freshmen. Um, and then they, they got in as an eight seed and were grossly underseeded and beat like the undefeated Wichita state team and be one of the best Michigan um, teams ever in 2014. It's possible you get into the tournament again, not very likely. And Houston and Musa become the five stars like consistently that they've we've expected them to become. It's a long shot, but that's that's probably their their best opportunity is all of a sudden, man, like this team just comes into their own as an eight or nine seed. But that's I mean, that's that's a massive roll of the dice, you know, Hail Mary pass. So I, I love both of those angles, though. One first cart yours about post defense is an awesome point because the only teams in the country that aren't big 10 teams that have somebody hunter dickinson size that can really shake him 
are going to be teams on the one or the two line. It's a, like an Auburn with Walker Kessler, a Kentucky mm-hmm. with Oscar Shibwe, mm-hmm. a Gonzaga with Chet Holmgren. Like that's it. You go down the line, there are a lot of really good basketball teams that don't have anyone who's going to be able to keep up with Hunter Dickinson. And if that's the matchup you find yourself in, Michigan will always have a shot, no matter how much worse they are as a team collectively, or even no matter how poorly other guys are shooting. If Hunter has a one-on-one matchup, he can dominate to the extent he did against Michigan State. That team can win that game. Uh, Chris, I love the comparison to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, going into that season when Michigan got got seeded, um, I remember thinking they were just in the worst region possible. They had to get through Duke, I think, who ended up getting upset that year. Um, but they were in the same region as Duke and Kentucky. And I remember being terrified of Kentucky. I forget who the one seed was. It was the undefeated Wichita State was, team. You're right. It was Wichita yeah. State. Um, yeah. And that, I, I still, I think that Kentucky team was more talented. But I, I see a path 100% because mm-hmm. Houston and Jones are playing the, to their ceiling right now. And if you want to say that's at home with Houston, I hear that. Like he, he has to prove yeah. this in the conference tournament at least. But I, you know, I'm starting to think it might have been a thing where he's turned the corner because he's averaging like 18 a game over the last three. Mm-hmm. And even Card, that pull up off the dribble he hit last night is just not something he would have even attempted two weeks ago. So that, that's been his, that's been his biggest issue all year. That's the one thing that makes me think, okay, maybe he has turned a corner is really all year when Michigan was really struggling outside shooting. I, I never had any doubt that like Houston wouldn't find it from the outside. The one big thing, and it's why he should come back for the record, no matter what he does in the tournament, he needs to become better at creating off the dribble. I mean, that that's a, the biggest detriment to his game. Good set shooter, great set shooter at home. But uh, last night, the last couple games, You've seen him drive. You've seen him with the Euro step. You've seen him with the mid-range shots. Um, There is a like a top 10 pick somewhere in Caleb Houston. I think one more year we'll see that. But yeah, that is the one thing that makes me think, okay, maybe maybe he's he's coming into his own finally because it seems like he's more confident off the dribble. And last night, a one unsung hero of that game, much significantly improved on the defensive end. Like his like he should be a good defender. His length should make him a good defender. I think his footwork and the fundamentals have have been lacking, um, at points as is often kind of the case with some of these raw freshmen. But he's he's, he's starting to turn it around. I I really like the way he's played lately. Yeah, he's been great. And I, I it seemed like mental blocks were a lot of that early, but yeah. he's fighting through. Hopefully, uh, I'm not gonna complain if this ends up happening. But I think there is a contingent of Michigan fans who are saying like, well. Hopefully he's not so good the final month of the season that he ends up being the one and done. We were worried. He might be. Dude, that's, that's why I, if this team ends up making the NIT, they should not play in it because what's <laughs> going to end up, what's going to end up happening is Musa and Caleb are going to go for 25 a night against Rhode Island and, 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 and you know, a, bun- a bunch of non-power five teams. And then they're going to get this idea in their heads. They're going to be the MVP at Madison Square Garden and they're going to go pro. Like nothing good would come out of that. I t- I'm telling you, right? It's so true. It's so true. And yeah, we don't want to be Butler. We don't want to hang NIT banners. Let's just, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. That's hilarious. Uh, all right. We, uh, I want to just expand beyond Michigan quickly. Uh, Wisconsin wins the Big Ten last night or at least wins a share of it. They need to win one more later this week against Nebraska to officially clinch it. Um, Illinois, Purdue have been in the mix. Purdue basically laid two eggs in opportunities to win this league with the loss at Michigan State and then the loss at Wisconsin. I think Illinois, for the most part, has done their part. I think they've played really good basketball this year, but ultimately one game short in the loss column of the Badgers right now. 
Uh, it's a question we've gone around in circles with all season and asked a lot of different people their their takes. But Chris, of of all the Big Ten teams heading into the NCAA tournament, who would you say you trust the most to potentially make a Final Four? Oh my goodness, um, this might sh- this might surprise some people, but I'm going to go with Illinois because Wisconsin. We have seen outside of those two years of the Bo Ryan era, right? We have not seen a Wisconsin team under Greg Gard that is offensively consistent enough to make a really deep run in the tournament. I think the deepest he's gone is Sweet 16. Um, we've seen teams, obviously 2020, everything got canceled, but um, no, I think that they're, to me their ceiling is, is early uh, second weekend. That's, that's me. Uh, Purdue doesn't play any defense, and they are, they're going to regret this year. That team should have run away with the Big Ten. Uh, that team is the most talented team. That's the most talented Purdue starting five I have ever seen. Uh, and, you know, if they get it done in March, so be it. Um, there is, I've said this from getting a 2013 Michigan vibes with them where they've lost some really tough games. They have a, an immense amount of talent. I could see them getting into March, wiping the slate clean and getting hot. I mean, even a couple of years ago, like, remember how bad Carson Edwards was playing coming into the tournament and then just, like, went – nuts he went for 40 in like two out of the two of the last three games they played the reason i pick illinois is one i think brad underwood has done a tremendous job of adjusting and that's what makes him a good coach this team uh from the outside is i mean substantial it's night and day compared to where they were in previous seasons but i also think that you know there's got every ncaa tournament team that makes a deep run has a game where they grind where they win you know with a few exceptions like you know but baylor last year where they win 55 to 50 i think that with kofi down low and with the kind of uh, defense that they could potentially bring, they're the team to me that is most likely to maybe make that that deep run. Um, everybody else, I don't see it. I mean, that's the one loss that Illinois should regret, is especially the way Ohio State's played the last week. I mean, Maryland and Nebraska getting boat raced. What the hell was happening there? Um, so I would, I, I would lean towards Illinois because I think that there's also, especially when you have good shooters, um, they could have a game like they played against Michigan where they just get lights out and upset a one or a two uh, seed. So I, that's the one I lean towards. But you know, if Purdue, if Purdue gets hot um, and can just simply outscore their opponents, uh, it should be them. Like, do you agree? It should be Purdue should be. given the talent. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be. So I lean towards Illinois. It definitely should be. I Carter has a Matt Painter agenda. Do we need to go into that right now? I don't want to get into the Matt Painter agenda. I just want to think how wild it is to me that I use the words like, because Chris, I'm on the same page as you. I'm like, I trust Illinois. And that's what just like, even saying it out loud and hearing myself saying I'm trusting Illinois to make the deepest run in March is crazy. I'm with you. I truly think, I truly think that this team does because one, I think the talent's there with dominance that Kofi is down low. Plummer has been one of the best ads in all of college basketball in you know from the transfer portal when that guy gets hot like we saw what happened in the first half of that Michigan game that was unbelievable like he he has the ability to do that Trent Frazier's a dog and as far as Underwood and what he's done this year like this team's been through you know quote-unquote a lot for what happens in a college basketball season they've been through injuries they had suspensions you know they've had different things happen throughout the year and they still find themselves in a really good place and I think playing really good basketball right now so I do trust them as far as making a run um, out of the Big Ten the farthest in March. The Matt Painter thing for me, it's just, I don't know. Like you, 
you have this team, obviously they're so, they are so talented. Like Mm -hmm. this is a, the talent on this team isn't fair. Honestly, it, I feel sorry for every big man in the league that you got to put your heart on the line against Zach Eady. And then they follow that up and throw Travion Williams at you. Like that's, that's the gauntlet of all big men in college basketball. Like that's crazy to me. So the fact that they can't just lock to me, it's just, they don't want to play defense. They're not locking in. And to me, that's, on the players, of course, wanting to buy into the system, but also that's on coaching. Like you got to get your team and your players to buy in defensively. I feel the same way about the Kansas basketball team. I think they're immensely talented, but they don't buy in on defense and they can't stop anybody. And the same thing for me is that Purdue and Kansas, I think have the ability to like on paper, Jaden Ivey should be a really good defender. Zach yeah. Eady, not necessarily a quick guy, but he can at least be a rim protector. I wouldn't even necessarily consider Zach Eady to be a rim protector. He's just 7'4 and massive. Like this team should be a lot better defensively than they are. So it's disappointing. And for that reason, like a team that's bad defensively spells upset in March. Like they're a three yeah. seed. They run into a 14 seed with a high octane offense and they get torched. Like that's that's the blueprint for me. Yeah. You said, uh, I, I don't mind the Kansas comparison, but even like admitting Kansas has a bad defense, they're 60 spots higher on Ken Pop than Purdue's defense. Are so, they? Wow. Like, what well, wasn't, I saw a tweet and, and forgive me, I don't know who sent it, but uh, it might've been, it might've been Dylan said that the lowest national championship winning team in terms of defensive efficiency on Ken Palm was Baylor last year, who was 22nd in the country, which is still like, I mean, that's elite. Yeah. Purdue is 119th right now maybe they went up last i mean that is a somebody made this comparison as well the we get on rightfully so fran mccaffrey teams all the time for the fact they just don't play defense this team in terms of defensive efficiency is weaker than any one of those teams so it's hard it's hard for you to trust them despite the insane amount of talent that they have yeah also uh while you mentioned fran mccaffrey i love to insert this purdue and iowa one spot separates them on ken palm right now uh, just offense, defense stuff. Purdue's the best offense in the country. They are 102nd defensively on Ken Palm right now that I see. Iowa, sixth in the country offensively, 78th defensively. Yeah. Like, and I think the, the public perception of Purdue versus Iowa could not be more different. Like, there's not going to be anyone filling out a bracket that says Iowa can make a Final Four. But everyone almost expects this Purdue team to, despite the numbers really saying they're basically Iowa, just with more talent. It's crazy to me. Um, I'm out on Illinois. I don't need to spend a ton of time saying it. I think – I know they're great. Like, I love the formula. I think Kofi should feast. They only need one of Frazier or Plummer to have a good game every single game, and, like, that's normally enough to get it done. Uh, I just truly – I think there's a mental block with this program, you guys. I just think there is. And nothing's going to change that for me until they hang a banner, whether it's a regular season Big Ten title, which they couldn't do this season. Or whether it's a Sweet 16 in March, like I'm waiting for it to happen, but it hasn't yet. And I think last year's team was better than this year's team. It uh, was and much I, better. And look, Loyola was good. That was a nightmare matchup for them. It's not like they're going to draw a, a team that's actually a top 20 team in the second round again this year. But I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical what they'll do when the moment is a little too big. We'll see. Yeah, no, I, I can't. There is there's a, a pre like 2021 Michigan football vibe with them where it's like, you just got to believe it when you see it. I mean, last year I'll say they will, they will never live down last year. I, I like that was 
the amount of posturing they did and, and complaining they did about the, the big 10 championship to let Porter Moser just hold you down and pummel you into the ground for 40 minutes. That was rough, but all man, if they, if they make one great run, a lot of that goes away. Now, they're every bit as capable of it, but yeah, no, I, I do see it. Like, I think they're, I bet it's in their heads. I, I mean, you know, people, people read the tea leaves. Like this is a program as good as they've been the last several years, not a second weekend since, you know, Darren Williams, D Brown and Luther head. I mean, that's, that's got to stick with them, which ironically, I mean, again, to bring it back to the Michigan football comparison was Oh five, like right around the time Michigan won their previous big 10 titles. So yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. I just, man, you just feel like the talent is there though, but it was last year too. So we'll see. Yeah. If you, if you just threw aside all of the Michigan football curse cobwebs, from the Illinois basketball team this year, I'd love this team. I'd be all over them. If you put them in Purdue jerseys, I'd be all over them. We'll see yeah. what happens. Car, you got anything? You looked like you had something to say there. You're, you're I was just thinking years. in my head. The la- I was just thinking in my head the last year's Illinois team, the fact that they had the same team but with Io, <laughs> and they yeah. just couldn't get that. That's I mean, that's just it's nuts to me just to think about. But I mean, Chris already said it. Like Porter and his staff coached circles around uh Illinois last year and Cam Crutwig had Kofi in hell so I mean that's what the turn I mean that's what the tournament is but I don't know I'm still I I don't want to go in on Wisconsin being the team to make the final four run so I'd rather lean Illinois than Wisconsin yeah I'm I'm the only person standing for Wisconsin as the team that will do the best in March for for the Big Ten this year, and I know I mean, I'm, I'm I'm with I'm with you on your Wisconsin takes though, Greg. As far as I think that they that team is more talented than people give them credit for. Like I think Tyler Wall has been yeah. a good Big Ten basketball player this year. Davison's been playing good basketball. Chucky has been getting significantly better throughout the season. And then you have a guy who's your closer, your do it all, and Johnny Davis, perfect for March. So I I think that team is better than people give them credit for necessarily. Mm-hmm. They've had such a strange arc too, because coming into this year, it kind of seemed like Greg Gard was almost on the hot seat. Like last year was kind of a disaster for them. Every they were, I don't know if they were odds-on favorites, but they were at least in the top two or three to win the Big Ten. Um, they had a million seniors, all of whom came back. You know, they kind of they they kind of bottomed out at points. I mean, they made the tournament. Baylor ended up you know killing them in the second round. It felt like coming into this year, this was going to be their down year. And uh, so, regardless of what they do in March, like. I mean, Greg Gard's got to run away with Big Ten Coach of the Year, right? Like, there's there's nobody else who's even yes. close. I mean, this though, considering where people predicted that team to be, their one Nebraska went away from winning the outright Big Ten championship. I mean, the remarkable stuff that he's done there. Yeah, we've slandered Greg Gard a lot on this show. I still am. I I think I'm in the camp that Greg Gard's a not very good coach who's having a fantastic year. He's done a lot of things well this year. They were yeah. top ten preseason last year. Uh, that the season resulted in his assistant coach trying to get Greg Gard fired. Right. A coup. Uh, then this year they're picked 11th in the Big Ten and they win the league. Who knows? That's college basketball. But yeah, Cart, I uh, I just think the national narrative on why Wisconsin is in this position is not correct at all. Like the national narrative seems to be Johnny Davis is National Player of the Year candidate. He shouldn't be. Like that's no disrespect mm. to Johnny Davis, but he is not the best player in the Big Ten. He's arguably like the third best player in the Big Ten any given night. He's very good, but he also had a month and a half of the season where he was really inefficient. And if you watch their games, he takes a ton of horrible shots that he misses very frequently. Um, Now, he's great. I don't know that there's a player in the country I'd rather have the ball in their hands than him in a March Madness game. But like the narrative that Johnny Davis is carrying this group of bums who couldn't make the NIT without him 
is just not the case. Brad Davison has been really good this season, even though he was really bad last season. Uh, Tyler Wall is the perfect complimentary guy to a superstar like Davis. Like he just does all the little things. He's constantly in the right spot. Davis plays so well off of him. Like they, they, he gets in the ball and then he comes off a dribble handoff. Like they, they just know how to play well together. And yeah, I'm not saying they're super talented, but I think if Johnny Davis missed games, like this team would still be like a middle of the pack, big 10 team to me, even without him, it's just Davis that elevates them to a true, honestly, final four contenders where I stand on Wisconsin. So wow. We'll see what happens. Uh, I guess I'll leave you guys with this. Will a Big Ten team make the final four this season? Chris, let's go to you first. No, I think we get one in the second weekend. I, I, wow. I just, yeah, I, I, I mean, last year the Big Ten was stacked and we got one in the second weekend. So I, I don't, I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't, I don't see a world beater here. Um, so I'm going to say one second weekend team, elite eight ceiling, but I do not see a final four team here now. Yeah, I don't see I don't see a final four team either. The only thing that gives me confidence that a team could make a final four is what Chris said. Like last year, everyone expected there to be a final four Big Ten team. This year, everyone's kind of down on the Big Ten coming into, you know, you know, phrases such as mid 10 have come into my inbox and my Twitter sphere lately. So no, but I'm I'm not banking on any any team to make the final four um out of out of the Big Ten. Yeah, it has to be a no for now. I hope I'm wrong. I really want the narrative to shift on this conference. But, uh, man, for a conference that has so many, quote, unquote, All-Americans in it, like they've got five of the ten best players in the country, to not have a team that we even feel confident saying has a shot at a Final Four. I don't know if that's an indictment on coaches, players, teams, somebody, but it's something doesn't add up here. So Should be be Purdue if they want to buy in, but they don't want to. I think it's just we'll we'll see if it continues. I think it's just a weird college basketball anomaly. Like I don't think that that is indicative of what the Big Ten is going to be going forward, which is this top heavy, uh, you know, conference with really great players. I just think it's just one of those weird years, uh, where you have a bunch of really talented individual players and yet not many teams that are gelling really well together. Yeah, yeah, I one hundred percent agree with that. College basketball is weird. That's what it is. That's why we love it. That's why we're here. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for doing this, man. Tell the people where they can find your stuff. Of course. Well, I'm on Twitter at Castellani2014, uh, and you know, you'll know you be seeing my face everywhere soon. Well, if baseball ever gets off the ground, you'll be seeing my face everywhere soon. So who knows? That'll be that'll be in June or whenever the hell they decide to do that. But you know, I'm, I, my YouTube channel, the link to that is in my uh, bio on Twitter. You can check out my blogs at barstoolsports.com. Um, and uh, yeah, follow me on all those platforms, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and I'll be I'll be putting out uh, more content here soon. So I appreciate it. You going to be an indie for Big Ten Tournament at all? No, I thought about it. Um, and I love indie, but I, I no, probably, probably not. Um, it will be the case right now, but you know, I'll be, I'll be rooting for him for sure. If that changes, give me a call. I think I'm going to make the trip down there. So awesome, man. Have you been down there before? Yeah. Well, yeah. not, oh well, oh, that's right. We not, we hang we hung out there. We were for the Butler game. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I say, love not, it. Not for a Big Ten tournament though, which is what I'm excited for. So it's indie slaps. Indie's the best. So yeah, it's good sports town. Yeah, love indie. All right, uh, I think that we're gonna go right into an interview from a, a certain Wisconsin Badger Big Ten champion right now. If not, sorry, folks, this was a great episode. <laughs> but if we are, enjoy the interview. Uh, thank you, fellas. This was fun.
Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.